Now, where does it say in the Bible, I am a child of God by faith? We are the children of God by faith. I want to know where is it found? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Who got it and who can read it? Who's got it? Jan, you got it? Who has it? Yeah, go ahead, Lynn. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, by your faith, you became a child of God. All of God's children go to heaven. None of God's children ever go to hell. I had some people say, well, I don't see how God could send his children to hell. I said, he doesn't. He won't. None of God's children go to hell. Now, those who have not trusted Christ as Savior, they are not the children of God. So now look at the next statement here. Therefore, I know it. Therefore, I know something. I know that my sins are all forgiven. But now tell me, where does it say? What verse would you use to say, my sins are all forgiven? What verse would you turn to to prove that point? You're talking to somebody. And you make a statement. All my sins have been forgiven. They say, where does it say that? And you will say, you will say, and you won't say. And you, but you know it's in there somewhere, right? You know it's in the Bible somewhere. Colossians 2.14. All right, look in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. In your church Bible, it's on the left-hand page, left-hand column, halfway down. But look what he says in that verse. Are you looking at it? Colossians in chapter 2. Verse, verse 14. Read it out loud. Why God made men right of ordinances that was against us, but was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. All right. Where is, what would you say over here? Verse 13 that says he's forgiven you all trespasses. Yes. And also, now, what about Acts 13? Any verse in Acts 13 that you might be able to use? Acts 13. Acts 13. It's on the right-hand page in the right-hand column. 38. Read it, Bob. Be it known unto, unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. Those are tremendous verses. But you need to know what they are because, see, that's a description of yourself. I am a forgiven man. All my sins have been forgiven. That ought to do something for your attitude. Do you know, when you do something wrong, it makes you feel guilty, don't it? Makes you feel ugly inside and maybe a little rotten. But did you know when you realize, God knows that I'm a sinner. Christ died for my sins. He's forgiven me of my sins. And therefore, I can claim what he did on the cross for me. And now as a child of God, remember... Up to the time you trusted Christ as Savior, you were not a child of God. Once you trust Him now as a child of God, God deals with you as the Father, before as the judge. So the penalty has been paid, and now you're talking about your walk with the Lord, and now you've sinned against your Father. So you've got to deal with your Father. And we might sin against each other, so we have to ask each other to forgive us what we do against each other. It has nothing to do with the penalty of sin. That's been paid. He forgives us because it's been paid. All of sin's been paid. I am going to heaven. Here you are and you say, you know, I'm so glad I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I know I'm going to heaven when I die. All right, 
Somebody wants to see that verse that says, you're going to heaven when you die. What verse would you show them that says, I know that I'm going to heaven when I die? Go. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1 is a very good scripture. Because when you trust Christ as your Savior, you're saved from something to something. To an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Isn't that a good verse? That is a good verse. Reserved in heaven for you. All right, give me another one. Give me another one. 1 John 5, 13, it doesn't say that you go into heaven. Heaven's not in that verse. Or it doesn't say anything about heaven in that verse. 1 John 5, 13 lets you know that you have eternal life. But the verse that you can show somebody, you know you're going to heaven. Yes, sir. I like John 14, 2 and 3. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. I know where his father's house is, by the way. <laughs> have you been there before? I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that there, where I am, there you may be also. All right, so that is a good verse that can be used to show that there is a place, not a state of mind, there is a place for us. Now, one time I was talking to um, Jehovah's Witness, and Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, well, they didn't want to go to heaven anyway, and they're just going to get into the kingdom. So when I says, well, about the kingdom upon the earth, you know, the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says that unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. I says, they were the law keepers. You'd have to be better than them. I says, so the righteousness you still got to have, and you don't have it because it's not by your works. So anyway, I explained the gospel, but I didn't read them to the Lord. I like to say I led them to the Lord, but... Jehovah's Witnesses are very difficult. They are ingrained. Unless you get a hold of the one that's just learning. So I was talking to one. He says, you know, you can't, um, there's not a verse in the Bible that says that uh, we're going to go to heaven. And I says, oh, no verse, huh? That whenever we leave here that we can go to heaven. They said, no, there's not. I said, take your Bible and let me show you something. And he had a Bible. It was the New World Translation. I used it anyway. I didn't have mine with me. And I told him, I said, now look at this over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to look at it. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look in verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, what do you think that means? If this earthly house was dissolved. It's going to die. When this body dies, this is what he says. We have a building of God and house not made with hands. Where? Eternal in the heavens. So in this, this body, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. He just said it was in heaven and that I'm going to get it. And then look what he says down here in verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So the Lord is in heaven. My house, I got another one there. I, it might be temporary because I get my new body glorified. I don't know. I'll let God figure out all the little details. But I know that I'm going to heaven, heaven when I die. All right. Look back at your notes here. I need not worry. I need not worry. What verse would you use not to worry, not to worry. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I had verse 7 down. Verse 6 is good. 
Read it for me. Stand up when you read. There you go. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, lay your request, you may know another God. All right, go ahead and read that next verse also. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, that means pass all human understanding. You see, the world cannot give you the peace that God can give to you. And you don't have to worry. That's why he says, and care not about, and be anxious for nothing. It means don't worry about things. Now, I know we have to be concerned about things here and there and so forth like that, but you don't have to worry like the world worries. We don't have to have sorrow like the world has sorrow. We can even grieve, but we don't have to grieve like the lost people grieve. But there's something that's special about God, and he says, I'll give you my peace, I'll give you my joy, which we talked about the other night. Now look at the next statement. I need not fear. I need not fear. Does God cause us to be afraid? God wants me to be afraid. Well, no. The Bible does talk about how that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that's a different word that we're talking about that comes from God, is that God wants me to have a high, holy, reverential respect for God. I also know that if I don't serve God, I know that my Heavenly Father could do what to me? Chastise me. And I have a fear of being chastised because I don't know at what extreme it will be. So a little bit of that fear kind of makes me move away from the edges. Because I believe love is a stronger motive than fear. But God uses both motives in a person's life. God can guide you by love. And he can also guide you by fear. So there is a, like he says in the Philippians in chapter 2, we're talking about the fear of missing the will of God. For it is God who works within you. And uh, serving the Lord with fear and trembling. Fear that you would miss the will of God for your life. That's the last thing I'd ever want to happen, is to live my life and miss the will of God for my life. Wouldn't it be a terrible, terrible thing? Now, that verse we just mentioned, I need not fear. Where is it saying in the Bible that God hath not given unto us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind? I fight over it. That's what I like. A little scrapping going on over there. Where is it found? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Very good. That he will help us. Now you know that God promises in his word that he will help you. There's one found about the Holy Spirit. There's also one found about, um, you know, he will never leave you nor forsake you and he will always help you. I wonder where any one of those verses is found. That something that says, He will help us. He will help me. Everybody needs help at times. You need to know where there's a verse in the Bible that says this. And you can claim a verse. See, these are those rest areas as you're going down the interstate that you need to have rest areas at times. Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Very good. You need to look at that verse. Read, Bob. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. If you know that and you can believe that, and believe that he will never leave you and never forsake you, and he is always with you, he is present with you, then you don't have to be afraid of what man does, because you got the Lord. But when you don't have that, and you don't know where it's found, and you can't remember that, or that truth is even there, you don't even know it. It makes a difference on how you think. 
you become rattled because of the pressures of life. And there's trials and tribulations and testings and the devil's after you and things, so many things can go wrong in your life. But you need to have something that makes you rock solid. So, where's that other one found? Over there about, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit and he will help you and guide you and teach you and something like that. But uh, anyway, that's in John chapter 14, also in chapter 16. So we'll move right along here. Look at the next one down here. That he will never lose me or leave me. Never lose me or leave me. Who said that? Jan says it's in John chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. Hebrews 13, 5. That's where we were just at. And the other one, she is right. 37 and 39 in the book of John in chapter 6. All right, can you read that out loud for us? All right, that's John 10, 28, but the other one was John 6, 37. Can you find it right quick? So you know, and you're supposed to believe, God, for no reason, no reason, will never cast me out. I can never in the future do anything that could cause me to lose my salvation. You'd be surprised how many times I get emails because somebody's afraid they have committed the unpardonable sin. I'm serious. And it really tears them up because they've heard somebody say, you committed the unpardonable sin. And once they commit the unpardonable sin, there's no forgiveness. So they think that there's no way I can be saved. The unpardonable sin is rejecting Christ as Savior. So if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, then you don't have to worry about it, would you? You wouldn't have to worry about it. It's the sin of unbelief. So you have already believed in the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals to you, as it says in the book of John, where it talks about uh, he reveals that you have not believed on him and that uh, sin is going to be judged, and that you need to be righteous. So the Holy Spirit does that. So when you deny and you won't believe on Christ, you have blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. But a believer don't have to worry about it. And another thing, many believe that it's talking about the nation of Israel and so forth, but that's another message at another time. Look at the next statement. Number seven, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Whatever it is God wants you to do, you can do. Remember this. You can do whatever God wants you to do with your life. God doesn't want you to do and expect you to do anything that can't be done. Understand that. So this is impossible. Now, it, it, whatever God wants you to do, with whatever you have, whatever you know, wherever you are, you can. You may not. And you can put... A wall around yourself, I can't, I can't, I can't. But you did that because God says you can. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But that's a great verse. I wonder where it's found. Who said that? All right, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Who has that verse out right? Who has it out? All right, go ahead and read it there, Lucia. I can do all things through Christ Yes. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But anyway, look what the next one. I think is I have can have victory over sin. I can have victory over sin. Where does it say walk in the 
spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit is how to have victory over the flesh. I wonder where it's found. See there, he couldn't let his wife beat him two in a row. All right. What, what does it say again? You are right. You win the grand prize. You get a, a kiss from your wife after church. <laughs> Around here, we can't have Huggy Bear smack him out. No. You know, no lip blocking. <laughs> the next statement here. All things work together for good. Now, this is really supposed to help your attitude because a lot of things are not going to work good for you, but you're supposed to believe that all things work together for good to those who know the Lord and love the Lord and those that are called according to His purpose. Now, I want somebody who hasn't answered before. Where is that verse found? Romans 8, 28. And what is your name, little lady? Carolyn. Carolyn. Now, don't y'all forget that. I said that for y'all's sake. Romans 8, 28. And how many in here use that as their favorite verse? Anybody in here use that for their favorite verse? Nobody? Poor Romans 8, 28. All of a sudden, Romans 8, 28. How many never knew the verse was in the Bible? The verse is there. How many... Believe it's one of your favorite verses in the Bible. Oh, that's better. At least some of you. Yep, we ought to have one night as everybody tell us what is your favorite verse. And you what? It'll all be the same verse. I say, what is your favorite verse? Romans 8, 28. I can pray at the throne of grace. You know you need help. There's things that are going to happen. You don't know the answer to everything. And God says, if any man... You know, all you got to do is when you have a problem bigger than you can handle, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not. He won't chide you, mock you, make fun of you. But ask in faith, believing, because an unstable man is unstable in all of his ways. So God wants you to be able to, you know, pray and go to the throne of grace. Bob Brooks? James, I wouldn't use that. I would use Hebrews. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You quoted James 1. James, James. Yeah, I just quoted James chapter 1. But that's not the verse. The verse is found in Hebrews 4, 16. Yes. <laughs> Very good. We got these theologians here. Yeah. Do you ever feel intimidated by these theologians? You know, you, know you teach the Bible and... They're sitting there grading you with their pen, you know, and they're pulling out the Hebrew and the Greek. You know what that does to me? Nothing. <laughs> all right, therefore, therefore, if all these other things are true, and you know these scriptures, and you believe these scriptures, therefore, you should have a positive attitude about, I can be used of God. I can. God can use me. You, this is how you got to think. God can use me. If you think in your mind, God can't use me, you need to ask yourself, why not? Why can't God use me? Because he can. I have something to say. Didn't God give us something to say? He didn't say, go into all the world and brag about how great you are. 
Go into all the world and tell them how bad you are. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell them about how good he is. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about telling the good news about who he is and what he's done for us. You can do that. See, it has nothing to do with you. Well, I just don't know if I'm good enough. Oh, stop all that. You're just looking for an excuse not to do it. I am worth listening to. Do you believe you're worth listening to? You are worth listening to if you're saying something that's worth hearing. Do you understand that? You have to say something that's worth hearing. Therefore, if what I'm telling them is so important, I'm worth listening to. So therefore, you tell them. I uh, walked over the uh, Saturday, and I walked over there to the uh, main cell. So I walked in there, and, and, and there's always somebody behind the counter that says hi and so forth. And so I thought I'd go in there and get me a little cup of coffee, sit down and think, because I had some things I was working on. So I looked in there, and she says, they're closed. I says, you, you can't do that. I says, I haven't had my coffee. She says, well, they're closed. I says, they're closed. She says, yeah, they're, they're closed. I says, who's going to get my coffee? She smiles. She says, I says, can I ask you a question? There's nobody else there. I says, where'd you go when you die? She says, oh, I, think, I think I'm going to make it to heaven. I said, you think you are? Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I says, why? Well, I've been pretty good. I haven't really been that bad. I said, you've been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I had fun with that. So when I got through those, she trusted the Lord. And it was so neat. I felt I have something of value. I am worth listening to. I want you to hear what I have to say. But you see, if you don't think you have anything worth saying, then there's, this is what gives power to your testimony. You have something to say. You say, well, I just can never give a testimony. You have something important to say. You need to learn how to give a testimony. If it's only in a minute or two minutes or five minutes, and maybe sometimes you'll be surprised, you could run on for an hour. A lot of people will say, I just can't talk. I just can't talk. I can't talk. And that's all they do is talk, 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 talk. You can do this. I am worth listening to. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to live. Why? Because those other things being true, do you know who you are? Do you know what you have in Christ? Do you know you have a message worth hearing? That God can use you wherever you may be? You and I are just little old cheap radio sets, but we have a powerful message that has great value that people need to hear, and we're just instruments of the Lord. Down at the bottom, I'd given you this before, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, when he talks about, therefore, brother, he says, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I refuse to live in fear or to be intimidated. I refuse to quit or to be quiet. I will speak and be bold. I will be confident and serve the Lord. You can do this. Can't you do that? This is who you are. This is what you are in the Lord. And so you always want to kind of go over these things again and again and again. Because after a while, you leave it to the side. And you'd be surprised how you can go downhill so fast. So quickly. Look up here. Wasn't that a neat report 
that Jesse gave us about the people who had trusted Christ as Savior on YouTube? You realize there's 25 that trust the Lord from different places in the country. While we're sleeping, people out there reading and listening and trusting Christ as their Savior. I think that's just so awesome. This is you and me. Wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. Because, you see, our sin separates us from the Lord. And sin has to be paid. And since we're all guilty, we're all condemned. So we're all going to have to die. Be separated from God for all eternity. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. We'd have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. God says you cannot save yourself by your works, by your good deeds. You cannot earn eternal life. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all of our sins, paid for them on the cross, and came back from the dead and said, if we believe he did it for us, he would give us as a free gift everlasting life. And we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. That's the best news in all the world. And we need to keep good attitudes, proper attitudes, think right, so that we can keep doing this simple little thing of telling people how to go to heaven. Because that's the most important thing in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you do that right now? In a moment of time, just in a small brief moment, you can make a decision that can change your destiny. If you just say in your mind and you believe it between you and God, Lord, I'm a sinner. Friend, that's just being honest. But God loves you, and that's being honest. He died for you. That's just being honest. But he was buried and came back again from the dead. He paid for your sins. And he said, if you would believe he did it for you, he would give you eternal life. You can believe that. You can believe that. You can do that. It's not asking you to stop something or join something. It's just asking you, will you believe this? And if you'll believe it, God said, he that believeth hath everlasting life. You believe it. God will save you. And if you're watching by internet and have never trusted the Lord, right now, right where you are, there's a little sign on the screen that says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you will, we'd love to hear from you. All you've got to do is just click it. It lets us know that somebody trusts the Lord. We don't know who, but we know that someone did. Father, we ask your blessings upon each person here. We thank you for all you've done for us. And Father, for the study of your word, help each one of us to be found faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.